Hey everybody, this is Joshua. We are listening to PVD Horror. Today we have writer and podcaster Raymond Johnson on. Big time fan of his work. Uh, so here we go. Did I do the uh and sound stupid? No, it sounds fine. Oh, thank God we don't do anything live. This is Joshua. Hey, this is Dave. This is Brandon. This is Ray Johnson. And you are listening to PVT Horror. And you are listening to PVT Horror. Hi, this is Bailey Edwards, and I play Jacob in the movie Mothers of Monsters. And I am Chusia. I am the writer and director of Mom, Mothers of Monsters. And tune in to PVD Horror. Shut off the lights, crank up the volume, and enjoy. Ray came in with the sex vibes. <laughs> it's all Johnny Ray. Fever and, and Venus Flytrap for me. <laughs> there you go. This is Ray Johnson. I like that. Thank, thank God you got a podcast. At least one of us will be professional this time. I'm far uh, from it. <laughs> so uh, I'll start off, uh, Ray. Thanks, thanks for getting in touch with us. And we've been going back and forth with emails and stuff. I'm so happy to have you on. So I know you're a big monster movie fan. Absolutely. So right off, right out the gate, favorite movies go. Oh man, the the if you really got to go to movies, um, the thing by John Carpenter. Um, I have to say the Blob, uh, 1988. I love that. You, you seeing a kid get eaten by a monster is something you don't ever see on screen, and the kid getting melted in, in the sewers, fantastic. Um, I, but you know, I, I grew up on Godzilla, the Wolfman. Uh, I, you know, I grew up watching the old monster movie. Uh, shows in, in the evenings with the, the horror host uh for me it was wpxi chili billy with chiller theater so i have watched everything under the sun since i was you know the, s- the smallest kid you could imagine i would stay up all night long and i was so mad when chiller theater got displaced by snl we kept it on for two years when saturday night live first came out we kept our time slot because chiller theater was so popular and they finally kicked it out and i was so mad i had to stay up to like one o'clock in the morning to watch chiller theater then um, yeah. so i've watched monster movies my entire life i mean it, from day one, I can't remember ever not watching monster movies. Ray, I um I knew I was gonna like you with the with the sex voice with your intro, but now that you're saying you're also into kid murder, I'm I'm even more of a fan of you. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, not in real life. I mean, I, I've experienced. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen it enough. I don't I don't need to have that. You know, uh, in real yeah, life. Yeah, all, but, no, yeah. No, um, no. But in movies, you know, watching a monster and like you always think the kids are going to be safe, but when you when you see them go for it, it's like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. It right, just, right. This throws you for a loop. Absolutely, and, you know, and, and that's what gets me is is like in the the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Like they start off perfectly great. There's a little kid that comes in and murders the guy and all that. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a really, I mean, not that I don't love the movie, but this is going to be fantastic. There's going to be zombie kids running around and (laughs) that's it. The one little kid and then the weak ass baby that's in there, you know, with the, it was just weak. It was just weak. (laughs) So, you know, I just, I couldn't take it after that. I was like, come on. I I just want to see kids in the zombie mix. You know, it's never, never children in there. Yeah. I was kind of shocked that, uh, both of the it remakes kind of just went off with um killing the kids you know like before it like the georgie kill was off screen it just you know before the screen kind of just went black and then for the remake you know he just takes his arm off and then pulls <laughs> him in i was just kind of like shocked when like seeing that especially for today 
Yeah. Right, right. And I think that's the big problem with today. Like, I have a lot of issues with today horror um, yeah. because the movies are, like, honestly, they're PG-13. I mean, I, I don't know how you can be scary. Like, I literally... People talked about how great The Conjuring was when it first came out. And I'm not saying it wasn't a good movie, but it wasn't a scary movie. It wasn't a horror movie. To me, it was like I could have brought my kids in and, you know, eight and seven and six, sit down and watch this with some popcorn and they'd have been fine with it. And, you know, for adults, I just need something with more bite to it, more edge. And I don't see it nowadays like I did. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you're right. When the arm got ripped off, I was like, "Yeah, that's it. That's what you need to see." <laughs> you know, not to sound like I'm a psycho. <laughs> you know, here we go. So the uh, when you were talking about monster movies, so I I listened to your podcast as well, and there's a story that I heard. Can you tell us about the time you went to see The Fly Two and the yes. arm and the armchair? Did I tell you that part too? Did I say that? Yeah. When uh, it's weird I- that you kept the armchair. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. My best friend and I, my best friend is, is he's not a horror fan at all. Um, and, and we went and saw like night of the living dead and I had to drop him off. He had to walk up a hill in the dark one night. And he's like, I curse you forever for making me watch that movie. And then walk up this hill in the dark and there's this dog making this weird noise and it scared him pissless. So, you know, I said, well, now the fly two's out. We both like the fly. We got to go see the fly too. And of course, you know, we go to the theater and we're in the theater and I'm like, this is, this is pretty good. I like this movie. And there's a scene in it, I'm sure you've, you know, you've seen it, you know, we're talking about here and most people will know, so I'm not spoiling anything, but there's a guy that he falls down and an elevator comes down and crushes his head. And in the theater, I'm like, yeah, he killed him. He pushed his, that was great. And I ripped the armchair literally off of the chair and I, I was holding it in my hand. And I was like, holy hell, I've got the armchair. And my friend's looking at me, Sean's like, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, well, I'll just slip it back on here. And, maybe <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I should take it home with me and keep it as a souvenir because that you know that'd be like this is the time i saw the fly too you know that would be great that's awesome <laughs> i just wanted to know what movie theater were you were you at when you ripped the arm of the chair <laughs> we were in monroeville pennsylvania oh nice okay. yeah yeah and in fact uh, i i like to go to monroeville just because of the ties to the you know yeah. the, the, the zombie genre yeah, so yeah. you know that's where we were at and I, I can't think of the name of the theater off the top of my head i'm getting too old right now that's that's great though that's awesome i have i've been there myself too um i went to the mall um over there because they had one of their um trying to i think it was a horror hound weekend a long time ago they had in monroeville so that was kind of cool and i've been to a couple comic cons in monroeville so yeah i'm pretty familiar with the, the place up there nice that's awesome. The, uh, so here's a question. How, being a funeral director, has that helped you in your writing at all? It's, it's good. I'm going to put it like this. Um, yes and no, but not in the way that you would expect. And, and if you ever want to get into this, we can talk about it. But um, I don't know what you feel about like real life uh, paranormal activity. But we, we live in Rhode we, Island. It's like the hub <laughs> of activity. Well, I don't want to come across as a nut, but I'll tell you, we've experienced it. Um, we we literally moved into, when we I first started film directing, we lived out in the state of Delaware, um, right outside the city of Dover. There's Camden, Wyoming. And we moved into a house right behind the funeral home. And we had lived in another home uh, right adjacent to it, but he wanted to tear that down and make a parking lot. So we ended up moving to the one right behind it. Now, what we didn't know was, was that the people that owned the house was actually a church and they used that as their, their office. And they had had like, really, really horrible activity for years. And they got to a point where the one pastor literally went through the house and performed an exorcism in rooms or whatever you want to call it, a cleansing. And we had no idea, no idea any of that happened. 
And when we moved in, everything was okay for a little bit, but we started having weird things occur. Uh, my wife would see shadow people or shadow things. We would have huge crashes, like glass shattering all over the basement. Go downstairs and look, nothing had happened, nothing out of place. And um, we had kids that were really young at the time. I've got five kids. We just adopted a couple. So we have young ones again. And so our young one was like six years old. And the oldest one was like nine. And the young one would always come into our bed and he would climb in at night. So he wasn't alone. And to get in, he would like walk around the bed from one side to the other till he could find a spot that he could climb in. And he would do this all the time. Well, we finally got him where he was staying in his room, but we still had like somebody coming into the room at night. We would think it was him. And I'd be like, Fane, go to bed, go to bed. And then the, they would leave the room. And they never left the bed. He was there. So we would have this, whatever you want to call it, it seemed like a little kid walking around our bed. And then I would have some bizarre issues. Like I told my wife, I said, something is touching me in bed at night and it rubs its arm or hands down my leg. And I said, I'm not going to turn around and look. I want you to look. I'll wake you up. And she's like, I'm not going to look. And I said, I need you to do this. And it would stroke my leg. Like literally you would feel it stroking my leg. And uh, so one night I poked her and I was like, poke, poke, it's there. Just look. And she's like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And if you would, if I moved, it stopped. So we had that going on. And right before we moved out, I was downstairs and I was reading a book on my Kindle and I was all alone. It was about three or four in the morning. I got home from work late, said I got to unwind. So I'm going to read a book and I have tons of books. So Josh, you know, if you like books, you would love, I had like a U-Haul take my books out when I moved. And Dude, I was a library. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely a library. And um, so I'm sitting downstairs, I'm reading this book and on my bookshelf, I had this little like um, Arizona uh, cow skull that my grandmother got me when I was a kid. It was a magnet. It was like one of my favorite things. And I had it sitting on my shelf. I always have knickknacks there. And I, I, I put my book down, my Kindle down, and I looked over and the cow skull turned like this. And I said, well, okay, it's, it turned right towards me. I said, I'm going to bed now. I'm going to bed. So that was it. I put the phone or put the, the Kindle away and I went upstairs and went to bed. And we had a lot of stuff like that in the house, um, just like all kinds of craziness before we finally moved out. That helps me more <laughs> than being a yeah. field director, you know. Do you, so now, do you associate that connection of these uh, occurrences with the fact that you're a funeral director, though? Like, do you think maybe things get attached to you or do you think it's totally just separate? No, it's, it's totally separate because I, I the last place I worked at, I lived at the funeral home. We never had anything happen. Okay. Um, prior to that, I lived in another house right right by the funeral home. Nothing ever happened. Um, and the only thing ever happened with my boss at in Delaware was he literally said the only thing ever happened in paranormal wise was he literally saw the old funeral director um, walk down the steps one night when he was downstairs uh, closing up for the evening. And he said that was the only time he ever saw anything. So even then at the funeral home I worked at, we didn't really see uh, or have anything paranormal happen to us. Okay. Um, it was just that one place, just that one place. It's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I draw on that because, you know, it was a freaky place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I am a very avid reader. Just ask the guys. Yeah. Uh, some of those, some of those book covers actually have pages in them too. They're not all just for show. <laughs> such a douchebag. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. I know when I moved, you know, we had so many books. We literally had to have a second U-Haul just for the books. And so, you know, and then my boss was like, "Um, have you ever heard of a Kindle? And I'm like, I've got two and they're both filled up. I can't. <laughs> I can't download another thing on those. So, you know, and at, and at this point I just flipped over to audio. Now I do is just, I just listen to stuff. Okay. So, yeah, I feel bad because I, I shaved my beard up today. I, I was, was bushy and everything else. And now looking at you, I'm like, I could have been pulling it off, man. I yeah. Could've. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need competition with the beard. All right. Everybody knows. I <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Because I had to cut mine off. Yeah. Don't worry about that, Josh. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, what inspired you to start writing? Um, I've always written um, since I was a little kid. And I think one of my issues I had was I'll never forget when I found H.P. Lovecraft. I, I read everything I could. Like Shadow Over Inns Mouth was like the, the story that was like, oh, my gosh, it was so eye opening. Uh, I loved it. And I'll never forget. I had um, a sixth grade teacher and we had to write a story. And I just sat down and I said, I'm going to write this story. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's about this lake and it's calling to this guy. And I wrote this whole thing out, turned it in. And then she failed me because she said I, I plagiarized it. And I'm like, show me where I stole this from. There's even even the books I had read with H.P. Lovecraft, which it was it was really kind of based on with the the themes and stuff. It didn't have anything to do with H.P. Lovecraft's material. Nothing. Um, it was just about this guy that gets called to this lake and he just can't resist and he goes out and he drowns. And that was it. She turned me off so bad. Like I would write stuff and never turn it in or let anybody see it. But I've always written. I've been doing this since as, as long as I can remember. I would draw pictures and I would write stuff with it. So I was like, it was a comic book thing for a while there where I would draw comic books and then it turned into just writing stories and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, what it, what was it about HP Lovecraft in particular that you think, you think drew you in? Oh, you know what? It, it's the hopelessness. I mean, when you look at Lovecraft, you know, there is no hope for humanity. You, you have mm. to say, okay, no matter what happens, every time that we interact with these beings or whatever, it's it's all over with. You, you, we lose. There, you know, there's no such thing as a hero in Lovecraft stories. So he comes out and he mows everybody down with the, you know, machine gun. And, you know, we, we blow up some stuff and we're the winners. We don't do it. We lose every single time. And that's the way it would be if it was real. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with, with Cthulhu, you know, with Dagon, all those characters, you know, elder gods, they are un unfathomable to us you know it's like an ant you know being god and then we are the microbes to the ant and then the humans are you know the older ones to that ant that's how how far apart we are from them and i just loved how there was never a chance for us even though we tried you know like with shadow over his mouth the hero if you want to call him that he, he escapes but he doesn't get away you know, that was like, how great is that? He got away, but he didn't get away. You know, <laughs> I love the, the the hopelessness of it because, you know, in reality, if you got a guy in your house with a knife or a gun, 99% of the time, you aren't going to make it out. And it's realistic, you know, and, and that's where I said Lovecraft really had the hopelessness down over everything else. Um, he was like really my introduction to horror, even though I had like a, a huge book with Edgar, uh, not Edgar Allan Poe, but Edgar Allan Poe was another influence. Um, but uh, Alfred Hitchcock, where he had taken stories that he loved. And I, I just rebought the book um, not too long ago from when I was a kid, I had read it. And it was like one of the first blob stories that I'd ever read, you know? And I was like, man, this is just awesome. So, you know, there is no winning sometimes. And I like that about horror. If you really go at it, there is no winning at all. And if you do win, there's a horrible cost. Like I, I just watched um, Ready or Not. And, you know, I was kind of resisting it. Yeah. I, I liked that movie way better than I thought I would. Yeah, just because, yeah I had a similar you know, experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I don't know what you thought about it, but going into it, I thought I was just going to be this hokey, chase him through the house and, you know, yeah. do this or that. And and it wasn't like that at all. And I, and my, my whole thing I, I loved about it was, was that there really were consequences for the deal that was made. I didn't like how that consequences were explored, you know, at the ending of it, it could have been a little bit more gruesome rather than just what happened, with them, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, cause that's hard to explain to the police. And then everybody just, you know, no, that, 
that doesn't work with the, the cops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so uh, but like I said, I love that movie way more than I had ever expected. So now I'm thinking, you know, I hate it. Don't breathe. But now I'm thinking I'll go watch. I'll watch Hush. And, you know, maybe um, uh, what's the one where they wear the mask and they go inside the house? The strangers. Oh, um, yeah. Strangers. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, you know, that that kind of maybe has opened it up for me again after watching that. Like I said, it wasn't like A plus material, but yeah. it was, you know, it was good yeah. enough for me to say, hey, I can check out more of this stuff and, and maybe enjoy it. So no, so another film that kind of ties in with those films that you named. What did you think of your next? I, I haven't had a chance to see that. And that's okay. one of those ones where um, that's on the, <laughs> after I yeah. watched that movie, I said, I'll, I'll check out your next uh, because I know that the the uh, heroine does a pretty good job she's pretty smart yeah. and i like i like smart characters who fight back i just haven't had a chance to rent the movie um and okay. you know I, I know about it and i know the the whole storyline but i still will go into being open-minded and, and see how it works out but, I, uh, I just wanted to ask you has there um as an hb lovecraft craft fan has there been any adaptations like film adaptations that you've you've enjoyed i know that um for his films they there's been a particularly hard time to really adapt them because of all these unnameable things that are that appear in the in the books so has there been one that you've enjoyed oh yeah there's a couple like like reanimator which really kind of goes way far afield of the story in the book um reanimator is a great story unto itself the movie is just it's great i love that um there was another one made um it's dagon which was made back in like the early 2000s or late 1990s i can't remember off the top of my head it's not bad it's it's more like shadow over the ins mouth than it is anything else but they played that okay it was it was it wasn't bad uh i enjoyed it enough that i said they did a decent job with it and then the, what's the other one with uh jeffrey combs um where he has the pituitary gland coming out um from beyond from beyond yes thank you okay. sorry i'm getting old so you can see the gray it's not <laughs> working. um yeah i like that movie a lot too um so those are probably the top three that i would say for for that cool that i enjoyed the uh i would recommend the call of Cthulhu. It's a silent film made in the 2000s by some really diehard fans. It's hard to find, but um, it's it's and it's it plays out like a silent film. It looks like a silent film. Uh, looks from that era, and it's it's really good. Oh, Just re- to check it out. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like Lovecraft. You know, we catch a lot of slack when we uh, post information and everything about him because we know he had a, a bad past and everything like that. Would all all that happened back then but you know he left this legacy of horror that you know everybody can appreciate and then so now, now like when we see films like you know castle freak and like you said uh reanimator it's just like you know this guy he just brought so much to the table but yes he had a different he had another side but like you know we just kind of just focus on his legacy of what he has done for the horror yeah. community and everything right like that so right. But, you know, we're from Providence, Rhode Island, and, you know, a lot of his legacy is here. So, you know, that's the main thing, and it's, that's what we just focus on. And right. So. You know, I totally get it. And and there there are, even today, um, and, and I don't want to talk about the guy's name. I won't say his name, but the man who directed and created Jeepers Creepers, you know, his yeah, whole yeah. issue with, with Clown House. I have to disassociate what he did in Clown House with Jeepers Creepers. I have yeah. to say, okay, do I do I say um, I can't watch this just because he's involved with this or do I say it's okay and go forth? So I have to say I'm going to disassociate things and go with its merits and base it on the movie rather than the person sometimes. Yep. Yes. You know? I agree. Yeah, man. I just wanted to touch on this. You were talking about audiobooks too. And uh, can, can you tell us about your podcast because rpg uh literature is apparently a thing and i had no idea until i got your book 
I'm not a video game guy, so I. But I, then I listened to uh, almost every episode of your podcast, and I was like, "Oh man, that's yeah. that's pretty cool." There are not a lot of horror ones that I've noticed, but no. how did you do that? Okay, well, well, lit RPG has only been around for a short while, and it really was kind of created by Russian people, believe it or not. Uh, they started writing the genre, and it filtered over uh, to the U.S. probably about five or six years after they started doing it, and they were having stuff translated. Um, and, and the whole premise of lit RPG, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is um, it's literature, role-playing games. So you take a, a video game and imagine what would happen if you were stuck in this kind of video game. So most of them were like fantasy worlds, science fiction, but you can be in anything. I mean, there are literally books about farming because you have like, you know, um, farming games and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So Lit RPG spans every genre. You can tie them in. And, and like Joshua said, there's not a lot of horror. There's only, only two other people I can think of that have written horror Lit RPG. One's Angel Ramon, and he has a, a zombie series. And the other is uh, Jonathan Brooks, uh, and he has uh, a core of fear, which he has. a It's, it's Dungeon Core, which is a sub genre of lit rpg where you have a, a little stone and it builds a dungeon that has monsters and traps and that sorts of thing and it lures people in and, and does sort of, you know tries to kill them but keep them coming back for more um and so those are the only two other people that i can think of right off the top of my head that write anything even remotely having to do with horror in lit rpg uh, but lit rpg is fun i i, I kind of fell into it by accident i read one book and i was like wow this is a really good story um and then i got another one and another one and, and honestly joshua you would probably love um there's a there's a, a book called morning wood <laughs> oh he would definitely love oh. that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> morning wood is not what you expect uh it's if, if you've ever played dungeons and dragons do you know uh, what a mimic is I, I played Dungeons and Dragons a long time ago, and there was a lot of uh, foreign substances involved okay. in okay. our play beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I got to tell you, I don't remember a single thing about the game. It's super huge. My son's like, can you show me how to play? I'm like, uh, not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. Uh, well, the, the book is from the perspective of a mimic, which is one of those things that imitates a, a treasure chest so that when you go to open it up and it eats you and it sounds really far-fetched but it is like one of the best books i've ever read and it and it's really toned down uh, because the the writer uh, also has it up on like royal road and there it's he's very hyper sexual in a lot of stuff like there's just scenes where people are doing crazy stuff and he toned it down for the the, the novels uh it's still there though so it's it's a lot like yeah. reading an uh r level or r-rated movie with this this thing so it's it's a monstrous perspective and i liked it a lot um because it's just crazy the monster you'd have to listen to the audiobook more than anything because they go into such a bit it's just fantastic the audiobook is so good i can't imagine it being better written it, it just has to be heard uh to get it as, as well as it comes out but it's, it's a great great book you would like it a lot so i was i was oh. thinking that the um the porn lit rpg game must be bonkers man <laughs> I, I can just imagine well, they they have them they do uh it's called harem lit and that's like another subgenre of literary harem. RPG, harem. So it's like one guy and like ten girls, uh, and there there are authors who that's their whole shtick is they write about like you know how a guy goes out, he gets powers from humping everybody, or he gets powers from doing this, and he get he gets more strength as women come into his harem. So it's there, it's all there. Like I said, literary RPG covers everything. Dave, I'm like trying it. to th- I'm oh. trying to think of other scenarios that like just to just to see if I can disprove this, but I I feel like I can't even think of anything. Like if they I have farming, it. they have everything. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> no, and like I said, I, I'm not exaggerating at all. They literally, if there's a game about it or there's something that people think you could turn into a game, that's it. And that's kind of how I, I, I sat down and I said, and believe it or not, 
Nightmare Game is not my first novel. Um, I've got another novel that's been written and it's just been taking forever for my publisher to get it out. And that one is a monster story too. It's told from the perspective of a giant spider. And he's got a, she's got a sidekick that's a human who's gone into the video game where she exists. And uh, he is a horror fan. So he puts himself like every time he gets into a fight, he's like, hey, uh, horror movie would this kind of like help me out in if I'm in this position or something and he ends up doing something really stupid most of the time like he's running around and he's like oh you know that scene in Jurassic Park where the dinosaur chasing the guy with the, the flare wow and he's got a sword and he throws his sword away and then he's like oh shit there's my sword I just tried to distract him by throwing away my sword you know so that sort of stuff um that that's what that book is this one here came when um I just kind of said I want to meld the two things because like I said, there's really very few people that have written anything with horror in the RPG. So I kind of had to take up that torch. An untapped resource right there. Indeed. Ah, uh, yeah. The uh I gotta tell you, when I when I read it, I told the guys, I was like, you guys gotta read this. It's like waxwork, which is uh, one of our favorite films. So mm-hmm. I was like, dude, he he goes through these different stages and each stage is a monster and it's so awesome. I, I was actually really blown away at how good the book was. So Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. So the the first question I wanted to ask about the nightmare book itself was how did you get connected with what was it Spectrum Spectrum Books I think it was yeah yeah yep because well, they, like said, they sent me and then through talking to them I ended up talking to you so right right well um, lit RPG is one of these weird little things it's it's something nobody knows about but the people that do know about it we're a very tight knit community I mean like if if I post a hey I, I blew my nose today there's gonna be people saying what kleenex did you use um so you know it's it's very close very very protective of each other it's really not like any other book writing community because if you go into anything else people will tear you apart if you say this or that i mean they rip you to pieces and um with with that um i had posted the nightmare game on royal road which is a place you go to to put your stories out for people to give you feedback with. And um, Annalise Rennie, who runs the Spectrum, she read the first chapter uh, where Stanislav has Ramsen and he's getting ready to torture him, put, uh, putting him into the game. And she was like, dude, I love this story. Give me 10 minutes and I'll, I'll be back with you. So she's a little bit longer than 10 minutes, but she literally recorded the entire first chapter and sent it back to me and says, I want to do this book. And I, I thought, wow, you know, she really, really liked the book and was very hyped up and, and wanted to do this. So um, I, I have an AI in the book and her name's Blair. And it, I based the the voice in the acting on Annalise. So when I wrote it, it was her voice I had in my head, knowing it was going to go to audiobook because Spectrum does audiobooks more than anything else. So it was kind of like that was the way it was done. And, and the way I got into writing in the first place with Lit RPG was Shadow Alley Press, which has a James Hunter who does the Viridian Gate online series, which is a great, great series. I had opened it up for novice writers to send in stories to be put into a compilation, you know, an anthology. And they picked like the six that they liked the best. And I said, well, the hell with it. I'm going to do something different. And I'm going to write about a spider. I don't want to write about a person or anything like that. I'm going to do something totally weird, totally different. And something I don't have to really, um, how do I put this, pay attention to with the rules so much because I'm not stuck with, I have to do this, this, and this, if it's this kind of thing. So with a spider, I could do anything I wanted. Uh, and they, they liked it a lot. And that's how I got the, the deal to do the trilogy that I'm working on with them right now. And so that was like my first out, you know, I got that out first. And then I was in a couple other anthologies from that point forth. And so, you know, like I said, I just started writing that and it just kind of happened. It was, it was just one of these weird coincidences of, 
you know, would I've completed the book if I didn't hear from her? Probably, but I don't know. You know, it just it was just the way it was. So nice. Now for the nightmare game system, what video games and what horror films inspired you to write this book? Well, if you look at the book, I've got like all my favorite monsters in the book. Basically, uh, like I said, when I grew up, my two favorite monsters were Godzilla and the Wolfman. And I didn't want to put Godzilla in there because that's just something that uh, my hero couldn't beat. There's just no way, you know, he, he could do a lot of stuff, but killing a giant monster like that, there's no way. So I put in like the blob. Um, I, I kind of mixed and matched with like the thing and invasion of the body snatchers, the plot people. I kind of merged those things together. Uh, there's werewolves, there's zombies. So all my favorite things, I said, I gotta, I gotta put this in here. I gotta do something with it. And I, I couldn't do spiders cause I'm writing a spider book and I didn't want to be the spider guy. So, you know, I just kind of threw in everything I, I really enjoyed. And then I also have like, you know, Friday the 13th character in there. His name's Kane. And there's, there's a lot of different reasons why his name's Kane, but it's, really a throwback to Kane Hoder. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I love the guy, um, right. but it's also like he, he carries a machete and it's kind of like he used a machete to cut down sugar cane. And, you know, I, I just have like, there's five things. Um, everything I, I did in there, there's, there's so many different little hidden gems or Easter eggs, if you want to call it that, uh, that there's no way everybody, even I would probably forget half the stuff I threw in there. Um, because like in the zombie scene, there's a song. And I don't know if you ever heard, um, Hey Tom, it's me, Bob from your office down the hall. It's, Great song. And all I do is we'll just want to come in and eat your brains. Fantastic. It's so funny. And so I, I made that part of the story. You know, yeah. no one will ever see that but me. And that's okay. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. So yeah, every so every I, character is like a little nod to, to something that means something to you. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, in the zombie um, thing, there's actually a scene where if you ever watch the original The Thing from Another World, there's, there's a character, um, Yaramir who kind of tries to be like the scientist and be like, Hey, you know, why can't we just get along and do that? That was right from there. I said, you know, what? I got to throw this in here. Cause it's like smart guy, dumbass move. I got to put that in somewhere. Cause that's just how people, people are that, you know, they don't think that they're, they're too smart for their own good sometimes. And so I had to do that. But like I say, I, I have callbacks to a lot of stuff, but it's all original. I didn't steal anything. From <laughs> there, there were spiders in that book when he was, in between two levels, I think I think he was in between the two levels. I'm trying to remember. And the spiders came down and he was like, ah. So then he went into the level. It was like, if you don't go into the level, the spiders are going to devour you kind of thing. Right. It was a, I, I, like reading this book, the, the more I read it, I was like, holy crap. You had a lot of stuff in there for horror fans. I got to tell you, super good, super good book. Well, thank you. It was packed with more horror nods than a season of American Horror Story. Yeah. Yeah. It made more sense. Well, that's, yeah. that's easy to do. <laughs> you know what? I, I You answered all my questions just in talking about the book. Um, yeah. Sorry. You know, no, that's are. awesome, actually. <laughs> that book was awesome. But then I also read another one of your books that you had published, which was Art of the Deal. And yeah. there were two short stories. A super short book. It was only like, I think 25 pages or something. Yeah. And um, I apologize because you paid for that. And that was five bucks. And I have that like on Kindle for nothing. It was just for me to get that out there. <laughs> so I felt so dude, bad when I saw you got it, man. So, uh, so I obviously buy a lot of books and I'm not allowed to buy books frequently due to the fact that I buy so many. So I had to be like, I went up to my wife. I was like, Miranda, look, there's two books on here, like five bucks each. And she's like, all right, they're only 10 bucks. That's good. So that, you know, we're, we're budgeted. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, 
So that that's the one I ended up with. But I really like the stories. And I know that was your earlier work. Yeah. So can you care to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to read uh, an old magazine. It was a horror magazine called Cabal Asylum. Um, and they would have people just submit stories and, you know, you would read it and it was it was like, like the Twilight Zone, different movies or different, you know, whatever. So it was it was kind of a mix and match. And then they started doing theme things. And um, one of the, the themes that he came up with, the, the, the publisher said, well, you want to do a thing called uh, Deal with the Devil. You know, you can write anything you want as long as there's a story based on the, the, the main character dealing, making a deal with the devil. And so I kind of said, OK, if it was me, because I always try to put myself in these positions, how would I do this? Would I be a you know, smart or would I just be like, okay, give me, you know, a million bucks and walk away. And I said, no, you know, I would try to play the players. I would try to outwit the guys as best I could and see if I could get away with it. Um, and that's where, you know, um, Mr. Red came from, you know, as he, he climbed that mountain Morgan. And that's not bad. I haven't read that story in probably, my God, 15 years. <laughs> and I remember his name's Morgan Red. Um, but he, you know, he he's the guy that says, I have a plan from, from way before I ever met these demons on how to take care of things. And he let them play him and make it look like, you know, things were happening. And at the end, things flip around. And I don't want to give anything away. But like I said, that's how I would deal with it. You know, I always try to play smart. Like in my nightmare game, Romsen is like me. I said, you know what, if there's a guy and he's going to give me trouble, I'm, I'm pitching this cat. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing with him. Um, I'm taking him out. You know, it's going to cause me to get killed. It's done, you know. And so that's where, you know, Romsen's survivability came into play. And it's the same thing with uh, Morgan, you know, just trying to think about how you should deal with paranormal monsters or, you know, guys right outside your window trying to break in how should you do things and that's just where that kind of came from i, I thought okay great deal to devil i can do that no problem at all i um i love that how you said like when you're thinking about your characters you like to think about how you would act in these scenarios first when you're mm-hmm. kind of thinking about how the story will play out one of my favorite authors and it's not a horror author but his name is brett easton ellis and he you know he wrote american psycho and a number of other mm-hmm. novels well he ended up writing a novel that called lunar park where it's actually him in the novel and all of his characters from all of his novels are coming alive in, and, you know, there's murders involved and things of that nature. Considering the fact that you said you like kind of think about yourself in these stories, have you ever thought about putting your, yourself actually in a story? No, no. I, well, I mean, like, honestly, I, I guess I'm lying to you. In the, my, my book, Spider Bite, that's coming out next, well, next month or two, I'm Cushing. Um, he's as close to being me as you could be, but not be me. Um, because I, I do that all the time. I'm like, okay, if I'm in a scenario, what would I do? And, and Cushing does that. He refers back to monster movies. And I think, okay, well, they just did this in this movie and it was stupid. Okay. So how would I have dealt with it? And what would I have done if I were in that situation? So he does that, but he's a lot doofier than I am. Cause he, he just, <laughs> <laughs> he's not too smart with things. I try to, to like, honestly, I have had a zombie uh, preparedness plan since I was 12. And like, we, we just moved and I've already told my wife, okay, here's what's going to happen if the zombies come. And she's like, do I have to listen to this? Seriously, again? And I'm like, every time, every time we move, there will be a new zombie preparedness plan. Okay. And then we'll talk about if there's a fire in the house, what we'll do, but zombies first. So, you know, that's just the way it works. I mean, have her sit down and watch Corona zombies and then she'll understand why you're preparing. <laughs> the corona zombies that was like the i got so much slack for posting that film thanks a lot dave <laughs> well josh you like the slock films right the really crappy yeah, yeah. 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 I, can't, I can't do those I, can't, I i need like some real i need some production value to my movies i have yeah. to have something there yeah. well yeah. Th- see here's the here's the beauty of it like this year was awesome for me because big like basically just for movies the 
the movies that came out were all independent guys with like, oh, I got a hundred bucks. We should make a horror movie. And they make it out of the love for the horror movie and their ideas and to get them out. So that's what I really like about them. There are so many good movies that have no budget. And then, you know, a lot of them, they know that they have no budget. So they know they're using Cheerios for guts. You know what I mean? Like Cheerios for guts. No, no, I get it. But but like, you know, when I'm watching, um, and I can't think, of, I, I was a, a teenage wear skunk. Um, you know, and, That's a favorite of Josh's, I believe. Uh, you know, they got the little, ma- I'm like, come on, you know, at least make an attempt. I just can't, I can't yeah, do that. Yeah. You know, it just, I can suspend my disbelief but I can't blow it out of the air. I mean, like I have to have something to grasp onto. I need some sort of roots and that little mask and the little blood. No, I can't do that. It just takes yeah. me right out of it. It takes me right out. That's the thing. You know, Josh is like really into those films and myself and Dave with the pandemic and everything and like theaters shut down and, you know, a lot of movies being held to this upcoming year, maybe, but you know, we kind of like take that time to kind of just give Josh's films a chance and so you know sometimes they're not as bad as we think they are but you know we sit down we kind of enjoy them but you know it's the same thing just like writing and everything like that i think a lot of people don't really look behind the scenes and look how much is really put into these films and, and books and novels and like that so it's just like you know we, we try not to get on all um, and bash on everyone's creative ideas because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's someone's baby, you know, they, they put a lot yeah. of work into it. And so look, we, look I, I totally get it. I agree with you hundred percent, but I'm, I'm going to make a point. Okay. Um, okay. Um, if you look at like a movie, like curse of the demon, one of my favorite films, okay. It has minimalistic special effects to it. In fact, there are some of them that were thrown in after the fact just because you know they wanted that stuff in there to make it more of a monster movie than mm. what it was what they did with that movie without the demon showing up or the, that could have been done for nothing you just film it in black and white have a story you have some runes and they're going to kill you in so many days unless you get rid of them amazing story amazing story you don't have to have you know some wear scuff mask you know to <laughs> yeah to, to tell a, to tell a good story you know yeah. I, I think you can tell a story with no budget yeah. as long as you've got some decent actors and you've got a good story it, it's all about story to me you know yeah. so mm-hmm. you know that's what josh know. says too but i mean then he tries getting us watching like uh i don't even know attack of the blurry <laughs> finger just came out uh so i tried to get the guys to have a movie night and it's not yeah. happening so the, uh, I don't know, Josh. I was really excited when you showed me COVID twenty three. Um, like <laughs> uh, you know, this one has potential. I really want to see this. It's it's a pretty good zombie flick. I ain't gonna lie. It's it's not bad. Uh, I have more up. fun making fun of Josh about these films than I do about actual, yeah. actual films. Wait, <laughs> you know what? It's just like books. Obviously, there there's a big difference between like the Stephen King and Dean Coons, and then all the other stuff that I read, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just, I, I seek out stuff that I've never seen before or that I've never heard of before. And that's the stuff I, I just like to shine a light on, you know, somewhat, nice. not all of it's good. Uh, skunk nose obviously was not the best, <laughs> but you know, it, for every, I was a teenage wear skunk where they know they're, you know, they're, it's a $5 budget. There was um, the last horror movie, which it was basically made for a thousand dollars and the thousand dollars was the guy getting his throat cut. That cost a thousand dollars. That was the whole budget for the film. Yeah, almost. That's awesome. And yeah. Uh, and it, it, that movie was like, you would like the story in that movie was incredible. So psychological. I'm a big fan of twist, which is why I, I really like your books. A lot of them, 
a lot of your short stories have a lot of good twists at the end. And I'm like, oh, I would recommend that movie. It's a good, it's a good twist. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's the thing. I try to do that. I don't like to just tell, like, I, I remember I read this anthology one time and there was this werewolf story and it was about this guy that was in Iraq that turned into a werewolf and he killed a whole bunch of opposing soldiers. And I was like, where, where's the story at? I mean, that's just what werewolves do. I, you know, I, I need more, you know, than that, you know, it was great up until that point, but I was like, okay. And then he got up the next day and was like, you know, back to the, to the squad or whatever. It's like, there's no story there. It, it, it's just like, here's a snippet of what happens if you're a werewolf. And I yeah. just don't get that kind of stuff. I like to, and I try very hard to flip things over so that, you know, it, either you see it coming, but you know, you don't see it coming. You think it's going to happen or whatever. I try not to, to go, and, and whether I succeed or not, that's that's hard to say. <laughs> but but I like to have that flip, you know. Like like I, I know you read um, Scratches. Did you did you see that? I know you got the book. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so I haven't finished the book, but okay. uh, your your story was uh, it was good. I I really like the twists and turns and stuff like that. And, and every every story I've read of yours. So you sent me a bunch of short stories. Every story in the short stories at the end of them, I'm like, oh, my God. And that has happened for every single story that I have read of yours, oh, uh, that one included. Yeah. And, and that's I, I try to do that. Like I said, I think my favorite. Well, I didn't see it coming was uh, with the backyard monsters, uh, the, 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 the monster throwdown between Bigfoot and uh, Dogman. I, I tried to throw something in where you didn't see the ending coming. And, you know, it was. Oh, that was some- a royal story. Yeah, the Battle Royale. Yes, oh, yes. That one was real good. I'm a big monster fan, so I was all over that. Good, good. I don't want to no. give a and but yeah, no, I don't want to either. <laughs> but, but no, like I said, I tried. That was like where I was like, okay, this this is where I'm coming from. I think if I do this, no one will see it happening, you know. And 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 so and the other thing is, I try to tie in all my stuff in some way. Like if and I, I know you didn't read those the, the other lit RPG stuff, but like um, like I said, I started off with. Uh, a spider and then i wrote a book about a goblin and then i had a book about a dungeon and i had a book uh, about an orc and then in the orc book i had him kill all the other characters off in some way that you didn't really know it was the other characters but he kills a spider he kills you know a goblin and he kills a a core so that you know I, i tie that in so just you know for me again that's just for me um, but I try to tie those in. And, and so like in my short stories for horror, I try to have a connection from one story to another in some small way. So maybe there's a character that shows up or something, or they're related to a character. So like in the, the battle Royale, he's a, there's a brother to a character that's in one of my blog stories that, that shows up, you know? So I, I have different things like that. I try to tie those all together. Yeah. That's awesome. So speaking like of a battle Royale, you know, Josh makes a post every week of a horror icon throwdown. He chooses, you know, some of the icons of horror and he puts them up against each other and then lets the fans vote, like, who do they think would win? Now, if you had an opportunity to pick two icons, who would you choose and why? Well, first off, I think my favorite horror icon is Ashley J. Williams. Uh, I, I love Ash from Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's because he's it's, it's he's so stupid. And he, he just does not realize half of the stuff he's doing, and, and yet he still perseveres. And, and I like that you know, you can be stupid and still come out on top. Um, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, you can be super smart and, and succeed all the time. You know, you can be dumb. But after that, I, I don't know, because, like, I've read Ash versus Jason versus uh, Freddy. I've seen yeah. Freddy versus Jason. Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees would be kind of boring. Um, I would probably go – but, again, to me, this is, is pretty simple – 
Um, and I, I'll tell you where I would go, but like the blob versus the thing, two of my favorites, um, the blob would win because the, the thing couldn't assimilate. But if you really want to look at it, I've always said that the uh, xenomorphs from Alien would be the perfect counterbalance to John Carpenter's The Thing. They have acidic blood. The thing could not assimilate them. It would be a pretty good battle. I think that would be like my thing. What would you pick? John Carpenter's The Thing versus the Xenomorphs from Alien. I like that. That's interesting. That's good. Yeah. Oh, that's next week's uh, horror icon throwdown. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ray, you're in. Josh, you're out. <laughs> I can't do that to Josh. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post it first, and then I'm going to edit this and then say, oh, I already did that one. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I can't believe, can't believe you mentioned my last week's throwdown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you must be a fan of the page. <laughs> That's it. That's it a lot. Yeah. But see, I do yeah. think about that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good one. That that's uh, not a lot of people put a lot of thought into them. I used to uh, before I hooked. We all hooked up and started doing PVD horror. I was doing that on um, Horror Depot page, which was a, a business I ran a couple years ago. That never, you know, I I just had a lot of issues with the website. But I used to do those all the time, and I got so many hardcore fans really going into it. And uh, now a lot of people are like, "Eh, this guy would win." Uh, for the record, we never hooked up, though, Josh. We never hooked up. <laughs> said when we hooked up, we didn't hook up. That's not how this all came about. Just, I just want to put that out there for the listeners. As that's not how this came about. Dave, I can't. We're just three friends. Talking. I want to make that clear. <laughs> Shut up, Dave. Yeah. So uh, aside from Dave, Dave's nastiness, there was another question I wanted. You were talking about scratches initially, and um, I can't remember the the main character's name, but he was. When I was reading it, I'm like, "Is this guy a wizard or is he a demon? Like, what is going on? How did you come up with this story?" Uh, is what I wanted to know. And then there was also another question added to that: How did you get into the scratches book? Because I've read a couple of the other stories. And some of the other stories are not as good as yours. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> um, I, I just submitted stories. I just, I go on and I submit, you know, somebody says we have a call for something um, and, and I do, I try it out. Like uh, it sounds stupid, but like um, black hair press does these books where you can either write was well, it's, it's usually for them. It's a hundred word story. And I'd never heard of doing a 100 word story before. And I said, I'm going to try and see if I can do this. I'll see if I can write a story within 100 words and then get it published. And so I submitted to two of their books. I got picked up for, for two stories. And, and that's all I submitted was a story for each one. And so I said, OK, I can write 100 word stories. And then I moved on to doing like a thousand word story. And then I wrote, I just I, I try to experiment with what I can do because I wrote a one act play based on werewolves and aliens that I've never published yet. But, you know, like you say, I, I try to to test myself so whenever somebody has something open i just say can i do this and i write it and i submit it and, and that's how i got in um with them that's pretty cool that that's actually really cool that you can do that i hope you get paid for all that writing yeah sure i, I <laughs> wish i would too <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know ray i gotta i gotta tell you that's super impressive i can't do anything in under 100 words um i am like the king of just putting way too many words to any, anything I write. So to think about putting, making a story less than a hundred words is actually mind boggling to me. So that's, that's actually pretty impressive. Well, I, I thank you, but like, I agree with you hundred percent. I'm the same way. Like I am very verbose when I write, like I don't 
do anything short. Like Nightmare Game was only supposed to be 80,000 words. Like in my head, it was going to be 80,000 words. And I came at like 125 or 130,000 yeah. words. All together. It's a 500 page book. And I was like, what the hell happened? I was just trying to keep a short little story, keep right, it nice right. and tight, you know? And it just, I just, because like, honestly, I'll tell you with that right there, especially there's a character in a book named Blair and Blair, if you want to talk about paranormal, Blair is real. Uh, now I know you haven't read it, but she's um, a, a demon and she's an artificial intelligence simultaneously. Um, and I, nothing I wrote of Blair was for me. Like I sat down and what came out came out and I was like, where is this coming from? Cause I don't talk like this. I don't think like this. Um, and every time that her character came up, I was like, well, we're going to have her do this. And she's like, Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. And I was like, what, this? you know, Come yeah, on, yeah. work with me here. Yeah. And Blair is re- like, I, I don't know if you ever heard of, of Tulpas. I'm sure you guys have because you're horror fans. Um, I think she's a Tulpa. Uh, I, I think that she is something that like I, I saw so well uh, that she became real, that she she literally has life to her because I, I don't have to do anything with her. Like literally, I just sat down and just started writing book two the other day and Blair's chapter went right through the thing. And I thought, I didn't even know what was going to happen there. I just know that this is what, what happened after the fact Blair is, is so alive, but she is so nasty. And so she, she is very um, naughty um, with, when it comes <laughs> to sex um, to say the least. And I'm not like that. I'm a very conservative guy. In my uh, we heard your voice at the beginning. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to fool us, Ray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, you know, Sexually speaking, I'm not crazy. Um, you know, I don't go wild. I'm, I'm you don't just crazy. come on and say, "Hey, this is Ray Big Daddy Johnson," and then then say you're not a you're not How that did guy. You know my nickname. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Big Johnson. That's me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but I'll no, I mean, my name for this show. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> you're fine. But uh, yeah, no, that was like that was like the weirdest thing for me I've ever had happen with writing was I've yeah. never had a character that like literally full blown, full bore just came at me a hundred percent and took no shit from me. Like I couldn't I couldn't beat her. Um right. she she just came to life and she was pretty much based on uh Annelise Rennie, um Joshua from Spectrum, um, who like I said, she she called me up and said, Hey, can I do this? And she she narrated, and I thought okay, I'm doing this and her voice, you know, I'm going to have her voice in my head. And that's whose voice I used to, you know, as I wrote it, that's how I thought she would sound. But she literally otherwise came out 100% and was there full blown. That's just born from nothing. I'm glad you clarified uh, that because when you first said, oh, I based it on this lady. (laughs) Oh, my God, there's a lady like this? She should not be allowed in public. No, no, no. Annalise is a really nice lady. She is fantastic. We should uh, clear she, that up right now that it yeah. was only based on her reading the character. Yes, yes. Her 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 natural speaking voice is, is perfect for Blair. So I, I don't want anybody to think that Annalise is like, uh, the way she acts um, is nothing like Blair at all. Not even remotely close. Yeah, Blair is super over-sexualized. I was like, when I read that, I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in my uh, world... Yeah, in my world, demons never get what they want. So, like, if you're you're you know, you're the demon of lies, you want truth, and you can never get it. And you know, so with Blair, she's never going to get laid. I hate to say it for her, but she's never going to. Um, you know, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yep, just the, once. Uh, <laughs> so, there were there was uh, before we go into the last bit of the podcast. I I really wanted to ask you about the nature versus nature. Oh my god. Uh, what was nature the versus name? necromancy. Yes. So you brought up the dungeon story earlier. I had never read a dungeon story in my life mm-hmm. ever. Um, 
and this was another one where at the end I was like, what the, like, this was so uh, well done. Like, and I don't know what, what book this was in because you just sent me the short story, Mm -hmm. but I thought this was a horror story in a dungeon setting. Is that where you were going with that or? Um, I'll be frank with you. Okay. First off, it's in uh, Dakota Kraut's essence. It's what it's called. It's, it's essence. Um, And when I sat down to write this, the only thing I I knew was I wanted to write a story about a dungeon that was based in nature. Hence the the title was nature versus nurture. And usually when I sit down to write a story, I never know how it's going to end. I like to not know. I don't, I don't sit down and plan how things are going to turn out for short stories for a novel. I know how things are going to happen from A to B to Z all the way to that point. But for a short story, I try to let them surprise me as much as they do you. And with this, I said, I want to write a story about a nature dungeon. I had, you know, and of course I had to play a stupid and make, you know, the, the wood elemental be called Woody and, you know, you know, that sort of stuff. So I knew that was it. And now as I was writing it, I thought, man, how messed up would it be if this happened? If something came along and totally flipped them over so they're no longer what they really are. Um, you know, and I thought, okay, that's that's where I'm going to go with it. Uh, and it, originally, it was just going to become a vampiric dungeon. I said, oh, it'll just be like they turn into vampires or something. I, I, as I kept going, the, the story said, no, there's this old guy. And he just shows up, and this is what happened. So I had no idea that, that was going to occur. Like I said, it's the same thing with Blair. I didn't know what Blair was going to do um, with that. And most of the other short stories, I never know how it's going to end. And and to me, it was just like as he was going through the dungeon and, and destroying things, I was trying to make it silly and fun and yet make it super freaking dark at the end. And that's you know, that's where I kind of wanted to go. So that's just like I said, it was a surprise to me as much as it was to you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was uh I thought it was going in one direction and then it just turned. And that I've noticed that with uh, a lot of your writing, and that's why I really like it. Uh, when you think it's going to go this way, and then it veers off, and you're like, what the hell? I think that really makes the story. I, I got to say, that was a cool story. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I grew up watching, like, Outer Limits and um, Twilight Zone, you know, from, from day one. Like, as far as I can back, I can recall. And the best stories were the ones, you know, that flipped it over at the end. Like, you think it's going to happen this way. Like, you know, like, everybody, the, the greatest all-time one is with Burgess Meredith. No time. You know, there's 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 all this time, and he can't read a book. You know, and, of course the not being able to read a book thing just terrified me as a kid. I was like, Oh God, he can't read a book. Um, you know, but it was like, you never see it coming. You're like, he's got it. He's, he's awesome. He's got everything he's ever asked for. And then crunch, he breaks those glasses. And I said, this is how a story should be done. You should never know how it's going to end. If you can, you can see it coming from a mile away. You got to go back and revamp it. You got to change. And that's exactly what I try to do. Now, be honest with you with nightmare game, I had a plan for a three book trilogy. So I, I wanted it to be more like I was watching a movie. Okay. Like, so you, you see a movie, there's the ending and then they have the after credit scenes and that sort of stuff. I tried to make it that way so that you knew there was going to be a part two. Okay. Cause I don't like to have like, you know, with the end of like blob two, um, you know, which is a great movie. Like if you want to ask me where I, I fell in love with the blob, it was, the son of the blob we're at the end of the movie you know the sheriff's there and he's got the, the little lantern on the ice and it melts the ice and the blob comes up and grabs his boot and he's like what um and there's a question mark at the end it says the end and there's the blobby thing i was like okay you didn't see that even though as a kid i was like why would you go out there and walk on that ice no way get away you know just put more ice in there go grab bags of ice from the store fill that place up that's that's kind of like how i like to have things happen you don't see it coming you don't know it's going to hit you at the end so that's just been like my, my way of writing since as far back as i can remember but the, the, like i say the, the silly thing is is i never know where it's going to go like i i really don't so for me i'm exploring the story as much as the reader is that's awesome. so 
what I got out of that is Nightmare Game System is going to be a part two. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a part three. Uh, oh, I, I've, that's <laughs> awesome. The uh, well, it was, re- it was good, so I, I I'm looking forward to it. And then the, at the end, you're left, and I was like, oh man, like where's the rest of it? So I'm kind of I'm I'm you're thinking of doing more with that. Oh so. yeah, no, no, no. I mean, like I say, I, I always think in trilogies. Like, like I say, I, I don't believe in like one books or one offs. Um, and I don't like to have like there are some writers who do like 15 books in a series. I, I'm a firm believer in one, two, three. You've told a solid story, and then move along to something else. And if you want to revisit that other world that you were in before, you can go back, but don't make it drag out. Don't don't do that. You need to close things up. You know, I watch a movie. I can watch a trilogy and say, okay, Star Wars 1 was good, Star Wars 2 was good, and Part 3 sucked, okay, um, because of the Ewoks. Whatever it is, I can say that, but they at least told a story, and I can say this is how it started and here's how it ends. And that's what I think more than anything most writers today on Amazon, uh, especially the independents, they want to have like an 85-book series. And I just don't like that. Like it, there's, it just treads water. They call that slice of life uh, where I'm from. Um, it's a, just we, – well, we just wandered around the, 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 the land and we fought monsters. And then at the end of the day, we put our swords away and we took a nap. It was interesting, but where's the story? I need to have something to conclude things. And, you know, and that's just, just the way I look at it. I have to have that. So, yeah, uh, right now I'm, I'm started, I started working on the Nightmare Game Part 2. Um, and it would probably have the, the first chapter added into the audio book. So, honestly, Josh, between you and me, uh, if you contact Annalise, I'm sure she'll send you a code for the audio book. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Now, do you find it challenging writing a sequel to your book or, like, from comparing it to the first one? Like, how's that process for you? Um, it depends. Um, like, like what Josh was, was saying, um, with uh, Nature versus Nurture, mm-hmm. Nurture Necromancy, because I slash out the Nurture, um, I don't think I could tell, uh, which I did. I, I did tell the rest of the story, but it was hard for me to figure it out. Like, I've got, like, um, in, in the other two dungeon anthologies, uh, the next two parts of the story comes out, and I, I wrap it up. Um, but it didn't stay as nearly as dark as I, I, I tried to keep it a little bit lighter. But, like, in part two, it got really, really dank. Um, and, and then so part three, I kind of legged it up a little bit, but it was still – it was still a little scary, you know, in, in touches. But yeah, that was the hardest one I had uh, because I really didn't have a plan for it at all. And it was just like, like I said, I wrote it, didn't know where it was going. And then there it was. And then people were like, this would make a great novel. You know, if you wrote the series, um, the way this looks right now, it would be like really good to do. And I'm like, I would love to do that. But I've got like, literally I'm writing a post-apocalyptic trilogy. I'm writing um, the, the little RPG um, spider trilogy and I'm working on nightmare game. So, uh, you know, those, th- I've got nine books I've got to write. You know, so so basically, I'm pretty much full up. <laughs> so good, keeping busy. It's it's a good thing you got laid off. Then look at it that way, it right? It like, is. Oh yeah. I was laid off recently as well, but I got to tell you, the time has been amazing. I uh, I got to work on this podcast, and I got to read a lot more than I've been meaning to read. Obviously, I have tons of books, and I got to spend time with my kids. Like you can't replace that, you know. So. It's it's a blessing in disguise, right? Absolutely, it is. It is, and you know, yeah. I've actually, as a funeral director, I was never home. I was out twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And and like I say, the greatest thing for me was is I, I got laid off right in the middle of November, and it was so quiet for the longest time for us. And then, like right after my boss laid me off, and I was like, "You're gonna be sorry. You're gonna be sorry." They blew up. Like they had have had like thirty calls, and I was like, 
sorry. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm back. You know, too bad. Tough kitty because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm free now. You know, I don't have to worry about things. And I, I really, as much as I love my job, I don't miss it. Uh, you know, it's just one of those crazinesses that, you know, people don't experience. It, it's just the way things go, you've got to deal with so many emotional roller coasters, um, physical things, you know, I'm lifting, carrying, moving people. Um, I'm going to crime scenes. I'm going to, you know, homes. It's, it's a lot. And to never have your family around, like it was causing uh, marital stress. Like my wife and I, we, we have had really rough times in the last couple of years. Now it's, it's so much better for us. So I'm not missing it. And being laid off is probably the best thing that could have happened to me in a long time. And I'm taking advantage of it while I can. That's awesome. I, I will say I am absolutely fascinated with uh, funeral directors though. Like that, that job is like fascinating to me because it's, there's so many components of it. Like you had said, it's like an emotional roller coaster. You have to be so many different roles. Um, so I give you a lot of credit for, for doing that in, in general. Um, that's a job that I think not, not, not many people have that emotional stability to even do. So that says something a little bit about you as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think that funeral directors are like bartenders without the alcohol. That's just it. You know, everybody yeah, comes in and absolutely. they spill their guts uh, and, and they're overwhelmed emotionally and they don't know what they're doing half the time. And then, you know, and I, I've dealt with everything from fist fights um, to, you know, the most loving family that, you know, you can imagine, yeah. um, you know, and, but you guys are in the medical field, correct? I mean, yeah. 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 I don't know how you do that job because I couldn't do it. I, I, I could not deal with, with sick people and, and having to do the things that you have to do to take care of people. I, I just really, that's not within me. So everybody has a niche that they can do. And like I say, I have people tell me all the time, like, yeah, I could never do your job. And I'm like, I could probably never do your job. You know, I can't be a lumberjack. I can't do this. You know, I do what I do for a reason. Uh, you know, I've had a call since I was a kid. Like I knew I wanted to be a funeral director since I was like, probably five years old. I, I will never forget. Um, you know, I watched uh, True Grit with my dad. And the one character in the whole movie that stood out to me was The Undertaker. When Maddie Ross goes to see her dad and he's like, you may kiss him if you want. And she's like, nope. And I'm like, what a little skank. You know, she, he's trying to be nice. He's the nicest guy there. And she's like being this total nasty. Come on, get out of yeah, here. You had know? compassion for him. Yeah, I did. And I was like, what does that guy do, dad? And he's like, oh, that's the mortician. You don't want to ever yeah. deal with them kind of, but I'm like, no, that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. So I, I knew about it since day one. That, that's pretty much it, you know? Uh, yeah. of, of all the places I thought this podcast would go, True Grit was not one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Then, you know, uh, my last question was, so you wrote a couple of short stories about blobs. So I read both of them. What was it, the, the one in the cooler... Uh, the thing in the cooler and the eccentric force. So, all right. And then I asked you, they're going to be in the same book. Can you tell us about that book coming up? Yeah, it's, it's, um, several other authors. There's another lead RPG author, Lavelle Jackson, uh, who threw in um, a story from him. And then there's the, you know, other people from Night Sky, um, cause it's Night Sky anthology. Uh, so if you've read like the, the backyard monsters or, uh, scratches or whatever else, I, I know that the stories I gave you. The, the same people are in there as well, like Kevin Candela and that sort of thing. Um, so those will all be in there. And like I said, I kind of bookended it because with eccentric, the eccentric force, I wanted something like totally weird. And I said, you know what? I've never seen a blob movie or a blob story dealing with ectoplasm. So I've got to do this. I've, I've got to make one that deals with like the stuff that would come out of the spiritualist mouths and, and explain exactly what that is. And the other one, I said, you know what? Uh, of course, I had to go back to Lovecraft and make it more Lovecraftian in style with the thing in the cooler because you know, to me, that's like, you know, just the way he would have told a blob story. Uh, it wouldn't have been the same way, of course, but I think that would be kind of his blob story uh, with the, the hopelessness and then the, 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 when 
everything happens at the end. The, the really bad things are going to happen just off scene, you know, as it closes out. So I, I tried to uh, really kind of match, you know, the, the, the different styles uh, of the stories to where they were coming from. So for me, I, I looked up a lot of stuff for the, like the eccentric force based on like spiritualists. I had to look up things. I had to look up when newspapers were out, what newspapers were there. I tried to, I researched the hell out of stuff. Um, like, you know, the, the Russian thing, I mean, like, you just don't realize how much I had to look up for, for uh, the nightmare game. And I, my wife has a friend who's Russian. So I would like, okay, how would you swear in this? You know, if I said this, what would be the swear word? You know, and, and lean and, you know, I had all that stuff and I was like, okay, I'm good. And uh, after she got the book and, and she was looking through it and she was going through the glossary and she says, well, should you pop That is not how we say fat ass. We would say zupa. And I said, well, why the hell did you tell me that before? <laughs> you know? So, but I, I research everything. So like with the extended force, everything there should be kind of like on par with what was going on in that era and that timeline, you know? Cool. So I, I try to make sure everything matches up. So it's not just me like writing a story and making things up on the fly. Yeah. I try to, to keep it grounded as best I can. You, you've listed a lot of things that I, um, I really appreciate in what I read. Um, so you talked about first off having like a little bit of a universe like your characters. I love that. I like the fact that you research things. Some some of my favorite authors, like I read a lot of, uh, it's not, again, it's not horror, but it's uh, Chuck Palahniuk or however you say it, Palahniuk, I don't know. Um, but he does a ton of research and you just can tell when you read his, his novels that he knows what he's talking about because he's looked it up. So I appreciate that. And um, just, you know, how you kind of like conceptualize your characters and you like put yourself into the shoes of them and kind of figure out like how they, how you would respond in some of these situations. So mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, I love the way that you're, you're kind of organizing the, these books and your stories. And I think that um, put together so well. So, you know, it's really, it's a really cool way to, to approach it. Thank you. You know, for me, it's a cheat though, uh, because this way I could put together an anthology or actually not an anthology. I can do a collection of my works and you're going to see you know, one character plays into another, or this happens here. And it'll be more universal so even though that they're in different companies or whatever i have the rights to all my stories and so like one day i'll release a, a collection and everything will make sense you know I've yeah got, i've gotcha. got a whole bunch of different stuff that has never been released yet yeah i've got time travel stories i've got you know this that the other thing. it'll all show up and, and and that way it'll all tie together more or less um and like like i said with with, with josh's question about the, the blob there's a, a character in there that, that is a cambian he's half demon half man and he carries over from that to scratches so i was kind of happy that he read that and i don't know if he he uh liked the guy <laughs> but, but you know I, I was like uh you know I, I want this guy to show up in a couple of different books and of course you see what happens to him in one of the, the, the stories but he'll be in a couple other things because i've written things with him prior to that so just never been released yet so the character in scratches the one that was doing the stuff was that the same character that was in the art of the deal no 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 oh. no 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 they, that, that was that was morgan red, red. i was yep. i was making that connection and i didn't know if that was the same no totally totally different and actually i have two other stories for art of the deal that i've never put out there because they need polished up a lot because it was just like scribble 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 but basically morgan um he he ends up like first off he says i think i can take over mm -hmm. hell so i want to become satan and then after he gets that role, uh, the next book is, is can I take on God? And so, you know, there's there's big steps for Morgan as he goes through things. So he he thinks he's learned a lot of stuff. And of course, Joshua, at this point, I think you, you see where I go. Uh, surprises and everything. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah. But like I do, I have different stories in mind for Morgan uh, as opposed to, you know, the Cambian from the, the Blob story and, you know, scratches. So. 
Yeah. And here, here's the thing for anybody listening. Um, so uh, what was a spectrum book sent me just the RPG book, right? The nightmare yes. game system. And after I read that, I was so enthralled that I went out and, and tracked down some more of your books. And when I told you that I was ordering more of your books, then you sent me more stuff and I read it all. Uh, so that's got to tell you. And, and I know I like offbeat stuff, but I did a book of the week post and, and the people that did like it, they read a lot. So, and I got a lot of positive feedback from our readers. There's um, for me to, if I read one of your books that was given to me and then I go out and buy the rest of them, that's saying a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Like I said, I just try to write something that people will enjoy, or at least um, that I enjoy. And as a horror fan, I know if I enjoy it, then maybe other people will as well. You know, horror is just one of these things. I really hold horror near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's just one of those. I grew up like literally, I'll never forget, like probably the the scariest movie I ever saw was one I had to watch behind the backseat of my dad. We went to the drive-in and we ostensibly, we were there to watch Godzilla, like, a Godzilla movie. And then right after that came out was the, they just released last house on the left. And my dad's okay. Godzilla's over. You know, I'm, I'm putting you guys to bed, go down and go to sleep through a blanket over our heads. And I had to like lean back and watch. <laughs> and I was like, this is the freakiest movie I have ever seen stuff. I should never have seen at my age. Ever. <laughs> and, you know, of course it probably warped me. Um, so that was like my aunt Cheryl. Cause she snuck us into the, into the drive-in. And then my aunt Peg, um, I'll never forget. She was babysitting us and alien was coming on and I knew alien was on and she would watch it, but she wouldn't let us watch it. And I said, Oh yeah, Peg, I've already seen alien. We can watch this together. It'd be great. She goes, you've seen that movie. And of course I research everything. Even as a kid, I'd be like, okay, I know what happens in this movie. I'm like, Oh yeah. When the, the captain gets killed, it's great. And she's like, Oh, well you've seen it. Let's watch it. So <laughs> we're watching this film and my mother and father come in. What scene do they walk in on? Sigourney Weaver standing in her underpants. <laughs> and my dad is like flipping up, what the hell are you watching? And she's like, he's watched this before. He's like, he's never seen this. I'm like, yeah, shut up. It's almost over. It's almost, let me be. It's the end of the movie. You know, and so of course, that's why I love my Aunt Cheryl, my Aunt Peg, because they, they really have kind of helped me get my horror on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you know, my dad got me into Chili Billy. You know, we would watch um, Chiller Theater. Yeah. So for me, horror is one of those things that, I take very seriously. Uh, and like I say, I don't mean to, to downplay you, Joshua, but like schlock films are just not my style. I, I need like a really good, you know, something. Um, and, and I don't begrudge that to anybody because I know people that love those kind of movies. And, and if that's what you like, God bless you because you're allowed to love whatever you like. Um, I can't do it. But mm-hmm. for me, I take horror so sincerely. Um, when it's great, it's fantastic. And when it's not, it's really good. <laughs> it's funny. The, uh, my son and I just watched Alien the other day. And now he is enthralled and uh, was driving. I forget where we were going. I, I picked up like uh, my daughter, 17, and one of her friends. And my son is reciting facts about the film to them. Like he's like he, he did his own research. And he's uh, like, well, when the blood came out and they didn't know it was coming. And I'm like, how do you know that? Like, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, I do like good horror movies as well, just so you know. Oh, no, I know. I, I've listened to your show. I've listened to you guys for a while now. I've been listening. So um, that's awesome. Thank you. you know, I, I kind of know who you guys are. And I, I try to, but like I said, I know Joshua likes those, those movies. And I just had to yeah. pick on a little bit. Just a little bit you know. I mean, he says he likes good films, but then we just did our, our top tens of 2020. And then uh, that might be a little bit debatable, but. <laughs> they were awesome. They were all really good. I think they you only had two films that we, me and Dave had on yeah. our list. So yeah. Oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> to be fair about it though, there weren't a lot of films to come out in 2020 at all. So. Oh, no, yeah. Right. Yeah, it was a lot of uh lower budget ones. What were some of your favorite films of 2020 since we're on that topic? Um, to be frank with you, I have not watched like seriously, um, this last year, um, it has been so busy for me. Mm-hmm. I have really had no time to watch anything. And it really for me, it was me sitting down with my sons. I'd pick like one of my kids and say, okay, we're going to watch this tonight. So I have a, a son who's uh, 17, but you know he was 16 at the time. I said, you've never watched Fright Night. It's one of my favorite films. Let's sit down and watch Fright Night. Yeah. Um, you know, and my older son, Logan, we, we've watched The Thing or the, the prequel so many times because we can just sit down and just watch it. And I, you know, because we both love that movie, uh, the concept so much, we can do that. I, I just had one had time. And, and now, um, like I say, we, we got kicked out of the funeral home. <laughs> Because we were living at the funeral home. So we had to move in November. Um, and December was us getting into the house. We had everything. It's, it's still torn apart. I mean, like my house is just nothing but boxes to this day. Um, we have not had time to do anything, but I just started watching. So I was like, man, I, like I said, I watched, you know, um, Ready or Not, and I'm going to get your next. And, you know, so I've, I've got movies that now I'm watching. I just watched The Mortuary Collection. Oh, on cool. Shutter. On Shutter. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was okay. I liked the first story better than anything. Uh, I think it was great, but of course it was Lovecraftian to me. It, you know, that's what it said. Uh, but it didn't really have a. It didn't really have much other than here's what happens. And so I was kind of like a little disappointed with it. I wanted a little bit more with it. Yeah. And the other others were okay, but I loved the fight between the babysitter and the guy in the house. That was like utterly brilliant. A great, great battle. I was like, man, this is just awesome. Uh, I would love to see this with like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers or something. <laughs> you know, like somebody do this to them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Leatherface, kick Leatherface's ass. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's just, just the way it is. I haven't really had a chance to watch anything until now. And I'm I was um I was wondering if you had checked out uh Colorado Space um just as a as a Lovecraft fan. I, I have started it. I had it, had started it and have not had a chance to watch it. Like it literally just started for me. And then I, I have been pulled away from watching. Yeah. Um, I, I have younger kids. And of course our house now, the, the TV is in a place where it resonates. So when they go to bed, I can't watch anything until about 11 or 1130. And I'm not yeah, yeah, make sure they're asleep. <laughs> yep. And now I'm like, <sighs> can't stay up past the <laughs> I'm you with know. you, man. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's it's one of those things. Like I'm a big Nick Cage fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, his his vampires it was a vampire's kiss or kiss of the vampire just a brilliant film um, yeah brilliant performance by him you know so i, I like an occasion a lot of stuff yeah yeah i'd be interested to hear uh what you think i it did make my top 10 i think it was um like number 10 on my list it, possibly yeah. um it was decent i i think i had higher expectations for it going into it but it was it was it was a good film he he uh he goes full Nick Cage at some point. Um, not not Mandy Nick Cage, but he he does his uh his Nick Cage thing. Oh oh um, um I did watch something I, I liked. It was the Ritual. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Uh, on Netflix, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where they got in the woods and then they have the the, the that's a cool film. Did. It was really good. I liked that a lot. You know, it was yeah. better than I expected. I was like, oh come on, here we go. Um, and then it, I liked the slow burn and the sublime, and it it worked really yeah. well. I thought yeah. it was really well done. Yep, I, I agree. I, I enjoyed that film a lot. Um, hey, so Ray, uh, as we as we wrap up, did you have anything you wanna you wanna plug as we um you well, know, of as we end this? Yeah, yeah, of course. And thank you so much for letting me do that. Um, of course, I do have uh, the Nightmare Game System out in NGS. Uh, that's that's available in Kindle, and it'll soon be on audiobook. Uh, and then I have Spider Bite, Radiant Gate Online, Spider Bite, the, the Webs of War series, which is coming out. And then as Josh has been very kind to say as well, I have the uh, blobs, evil oozes, slimes, and other jellies uh, that will be out. 
Uh, I don't know when we're, we're just getting it all taken care of. Now we've got the cover done and we've got uh, the, everything back except for a few contracts. And uh, that's the first book I've edited. So we'll see how that works. Out. Uh, but, awesome. uh, yeah, but that's, that's the upcoming thing for the next couple of months. Very cool, man. Very cool. And, um, yeah, I, I hope that you'll, uh, you'll come back and join us at some point after, um, after, uh, a few other releases and kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep in contact with us. Absolutely. You guys are great guys. And, and Joshua, anytime you want a book, let me know. I'm happy to hook you up, man. Oh, you're the man. Uh, every, <laughs> so every you, you just saved him that having to go to his wife and beg for yeah. the purchase to happen. So that is huge. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the blah book. And, and the only thing I ever ask is if anybody gets one of the books, um, I, you know, out there, if they get it, just please leave a review on Amazon. I, I really need reviews. Uh, they kick in after so long they put in the, you know, you make, have a suggestion like we also suggest that you read this to get this yeah so the reviews help so amazon reviews always help so anybody that gets the nightmare game or you know spider bite or even the blob stuff or any of the other books that i have up um that's all i ask just be kind yeah, and leave a review even if you say i suck just say i suck <laughs> and, and just get me to review <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, i'm with you man we we need the people to start leaving some reviews so leave yes, some on man. amazon for ray leave it on itunes for us get them done oh so, um, did you want to do, uh, the- <laughs> Josh sucks at closing up. He is the worst at this part. We cut this every single time. I always you know look to Josh, like, cause we, we each like do our own turn of like doing the wrap up and whenever it's Josh's, it's like the aw- most awkward thing. Cause he like, he's like, um, hmm. we'll just do the same thing. Let me ask did. you one more question. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> See what I have to deal with, Ray. See, you get the edited version. When Josh, just do a nice, just do a nice like outro, like yeah. you know. Right. You want to meet my so wife? If you you think this is bad, meet my wife sometime. Watch her. Yeah. Hey, I don't know how it is in your house. I wear the pants in my house when my wife lets me. All right. Wait, when she's not home, you mean? <laughs> yeah. When, she, when she's not home, I get the to only wear time. Pants. I don't even own pants anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You must have been married for a long time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Five kids oh. and two long. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. man. All right. So that was Raymond Johnson. Thank you so much for coming on. That's his pen name, Ray. Uh, you sent me a bunch of stories. Greatly appreciated. Definitely check out Nightmare Game System. That's out now. Uh, check out all of his stuff. Make sure you leave some good reviews. He's got great podcasts. Awesome stories. Highly recommended. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, it's been my pleasure. You guys rock. I, I do listen to you all the time. Uh, since I heard about you, I've, I've listened to your back catalog, so I'm all caught up. Uh, so I enjoyed it. It was, it was great meeting you all. And hopefully I'll be back sometime in the future. Absolutely. This is Brandon. This is Dave. This is Joshua. This is Ray. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Get easy. <laughs>